Oh, we got a, we got one woo. All right, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Anyways, uh, you may not have known it, but welcome to International Youth Pastor Day of Preaching. <laughs> My name is Brendan. <laughs> and we are our student ministries pastors uh, in our church. Uh, and so our topic for this morning is foundational for any Christian. And of course, that means for our church as well. Love is the foundation. As followers of Jesus, love is central to our relationship with God and with others. And this love, of course, is centered in Christ. Now, I have a question for the audience. Who can tell me how many times is the word love in the NIV Bible? You can, you can just guess or shout it out. Kids, especially, feel free to shout out in church. I encourage it. 1,006 is too many. Sorry to cut you off. Louder? Too little. More than 365. More than 500. 800 is getting closer, still too shallow. 837 is the closest. Keep going up, though. It is. Sorry, I was off. Sorry, I thought it was 800. 686 times. I forgot my own. But you know what? I'm glad you're awake. It's a lot. So 686, I led you. Oh, my. This is not a good way to start a sermon, leading you astray. It's fine. I won't do it again. 425 times in the Old Testament and 261 times in the New Testament. In other words, love is really important. And without genuine love, our lives will topple over at worst or be bent out of shape at best. We all know a strong foundation is key to anything that we want to build. And of course, one of Jesus' famous sayings is to teach us to build our house or to build our lives on the rock, not on shifting sand. Now, there's a rather famous building in Italy. Can anyone ta- guess which building I'm talking about? Yeah. Very good. The, the Leaning Tower of Pizza. That would be tasty. Right. <laughs> All right, so this tower leans due to a weak foundation. It was built on unstable soil. Construction started in the 1100s, nearly a millennia ago. The foundation was laid, the first floor was built, but as they went to work on the second floor, one side really sank and the whole thing began to tilt and shift. And so when they started to continue construction, they would actually build one side higher than the other side to try to straighten it out. But it continued to lean, right? As you can see, if your foundation isn't solid, your building won't be aligned or straight as it was designed to be. So today, even after the structure was recently stabilized, it still leans way over. The top of the tower is 185 feet tall, and on the other side, that's two and a half feet taller than the top of the lower leaning side. So as we think about moving into 2024, let's make sure that above all else, our lives are set on the firm foundation of Jesus' love. Yeah, that's good. And maybe you are new to Christianity and you don't know what godly love looks like, or worse, maybe the love that you've experienced has been hurtful to you or it's been two-faced, or maybe you've heard all the verses and all about the love we're going to talk about today a million times. You know the love of God. Whatever your knowledge or experience may be, um, we hope that today you are hit with a fresh love with just the 
un unknowable love of the Father, I pray that it would overwhelm you today in a new and fresh way. But really, the big question is, what is love? Baby, don't hurt Anyone? me. Don't hurt me. No, I, right, we were right. expecting there yeah, to be yeah. a full karaoke <laughs> session yeah, yeah. right now. No? It's all good. It's, it's all good. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. I had one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So what, what is love? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Um, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us what love looks like. And the love that he outlines is the love that God shows to us. When we're looking for an authentic and a genuine love, these traits are the standard. And these traits are what we, as a people of God, should be striving to emulate. So let's read it. It's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8. says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And this is the way that God loves us, right? God is love. He is patient. He is kind. God never fails. You can go through this entire passage and insert God's name in the place of the word love, and it all rings completely true. So what does this tell us? It tells us that if you want to know what love looks like, you need to look to God. You can look at the life of Jesus. You can look at every single recorded interaction that Jesus has in the New Testament, and you will see these traits, this love, being played out. If you want to know what love looks like, you need to know God, and vice versa. If you want to know God, you need to know what this love looks like. Now, the problem with this passage is when instead of putting... God's name is, we try to insert our name, as you can see I've done here, and I've got my family here today, so they can probably tell you a few of those things I struggle with sometimes, and that's okay, right? But the question is, is this biblical definition of love true to how you love others? If I put my name in here, I fall short on a lot of these, because it's a big list, it's a big ask, but this is why we need God. This is why we need his help in building our foundation of love this new year. Only God can show us how to love like he does. So this morning, we're seeking out God's help, and we're going to look at what else his word says about love. Of course, helpful to remember that God is love and that God is the source of all love. But before we look at more Bible passages, I'm going to talk about four, or we're going to talk about four different Greek words that are found in the Bible. Because in the English language, love is a little bit of a funny word, right? We, we use the one word for many things. I love mint chocolate. I don't love mint chocolate, but I love living in North Vancouver. I love my family. All right, so we have different levels of love, but just take, take a moment, turn to whoever's next to you, and tell them something that you love. Go for it. All right.
All right, that is, you know what? I think I knew when I came here, I was like, there's gonna be a lot of love in the room. And oh, that yeah. just proved that there is a lot of love in the room. And maybe yeah. for the kids, there's a lot of love for maybe some new things that came under the Christmas tree. Ooh. Hopefully there's been some love shared around the table with feasting this Christmas season. But of the things we've all just mentioned, likely there are many different levels of love. Mm -hmm. And the Greeks had four different words that I think are helpful to categorize it a little bit and just to think about. C.S. Lewis, a theologian, wrote a book called The Four Loves. You can look into that a little bit. If, if you want to read that book, it's a great one to look into this further. But the four types of loves are storge, or affectionate love, philia, friendship love, eros, which is romantic love, and agape, the unconditional love. And we're going to take each of these uh, in time. So I'm going to start with affection, uh, which really covers an array of loves. Two very clear examples of this are between a mother and her baby. Or another example is between a human and their beloved fur baby, Rover. Rover. Good old Rover. <laughs> affection is a clear feeling of liking and caring for something or someone. There's a tender attachment. And we all have affection for many different things, people, and qualities. And a clear biblical example is the affection that Ruth has for her mother-in-law Naomi in the book of Ruth. Yeah. The next kind of love is philia, friendship love. Um, this is like a deep relational bond between humans. It's not just a casual acquaintance. Um, this deep kind of friendship entails simply enjoying one another's presence. Uh, there's no need for any kind of production or utility. There's no striving. And to the ancients, this love was crucial in life. Uh, honestly, I think us moderns need to rediscover what robust friendships look like. I would say that learning to have these deep and enjoyable friendships is key to our health and to all of our relational interactions. Uh, biblical examples of philia include King David and Jonathan, as well as Jesus and Lazarus. That's right. On to romantic love. Now, one writer commenting on C.S. Lewis's book says this. She says, This desire for oneness between a man and a woman is a beautiful gift of God that reflects the unity between Christ and his people, as well as the intimacy among the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. But when romantic love is elevated to the point of idolatry in place of God, it becomes a demon in Lewis's vivid language. We all know what romantic love is. There is a multi-billion dollar entertainment industry that has blown romantic love into a key focus of living. So I think we would do well to heed Lewis's warning in terms of how this romantic love can be idolatrous. However, we can also, if, if the idea, we can also hold strongly to the idea that our romantic love, if lived out within God's boundaries, has the capacity to reflect God's deep love for us and his pursuit for us. Now, a biblical example here, you could read through the Song of Songs, but young Jewish children were not allowed to read that until they were 16. It kind of comes with the parental guidance, kind of a warning. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and our final love is agape. This is the unconditional love that God the Father has given to us through God the Son, Jesus. Affection, friendship, romantic love, all of those that we've just talked about are training grounds for agape to grow in us. It's the selfless, unconditional love of God seeking the good of those who don't deserve it 
And by extension, it's the love that Christians are to show one another. Two classic Bible verses on this are John 3.16 and Romans 5.8, which says, God demonstrated his own love, agape, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is a little bit of of the foundation of what love is. We are going to switch gears a little bit. And as we do that, uh, once more, I'm going to get you to turn to the people around you. If you have a favorite Bible verse on love, why don't you go ahead and you can fire it up on your device even, but just share that or just, I guess, the like John 3.16, you could share uh, with your neighbor. Take a moment to do that. Or should we? No, we're good. We're good. Yeah, okay. All right, I think it is time. We're going to draw that back in again. Uh, Lots of love in the room. There is, as I mentioned earlier, there are 686. Not eight, I got the eights and the six mixed up, you know? Yeah, so, it's okay. Anyways, my apologies. So we are going to do a youth group classic together. Classic. We're going to do some sword drills. Oh, yeah. All right, so if you don't know what that is, let me explain it to you. So when we say swords up, the sword is, uh, you get it from Ephesians 6:17, which is at the bottom. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So there are Bibles in front of you. So you grab the Bible by its spine and then you lift it straight in the air when we say swords up. Okay, no bent elbows, none of that stuff. Okay, we need, we need straight up there. Hopefully you put deodorant on this morning. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and then... One of us is going to call out a book of the Bible with chapter and verse. So, for example, we would call out Ephesians 6, 17. And then the first person to find that, have their finger on it, and stand up will be the winner. And we have prizes. Yeah, we um, do. Which is chocolate. And it's not the new year yet, so it's still okay. That's right. right. And so uh, there is prizes on the line. But if you do win, we do want you to be prepared to read it out loud in a loud voice. Super loud. Does that sound good? I think... All right. (laughs) We won't make you stand up, Sarah. Don't worry. Okay, anyways. Are we ready? Here we go. Swords up. Swords up. All right, I'm waiting. I see some bent elbows. Straighten your elbows, people. Very good. All right. First verse is... Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Go. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. We're looking for the first person to stand up. Bible open, finger on the verse. Oh, is that John over there, I think? Right there. Nice. Speedy. Amazing. Read it out for us super loud, please. Shh. Yeah. 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 You can do four and five. Yeah. Do you want to read five, too? Beautiful. Thank you. Awesome. Well done. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So these two verses are actually a part of a set of scriptural texts that have a fancy title. Does anyone know what the title is? I heard it. The Shema. Very good. 
That's right. The Shema is the basic confession of faith in Judaism. Shema is a Hebrew word. It means hear, to hear. So the Shema being the basic confession of Judaism, of faith for Judaism, is for a good reason. It um, has two main components that are key to following God in these two verses. The first being remembrance or acknowledgement, and the second being action. So first, these verses describe the relationship between the people and the living God. When it says, Hear, O oh, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, it's calling to mind the way that God came down to the Israelites. It reminds the people of the one and only God who has rescued them from slavery, led them out of the wilderness, instructed and counseled them, stuck with them even when they didn't deserve it. The Shema is saying, remember and acknowledge who God is and what he has done for you. And then we can see that this remembrance incites action. The Shema follows it up with a command, love the Lord your God with everything that you have. And according to Jesus in Matthew 22, this is the first and greatest commandment, remembering who God is, which incites action to love him. Go ahead. Awesome. All right, are we ready for some more? We got six in total. And so we can do swords up, holding by the spine, straight arms. And this one is Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2. You, go. Can, you, you can go. Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2. Who's it going to? Oh, we got Josh in the top. Ooh. Awesome. Oh, yeah. nice, Josh. All Super right. Loud. Nice work, Josh, in the balcony. Very good. I can give it up. Now, Psalm 51 is written by King David after a slew of terrible mistakes, of sin leading to more sin. He's caught and he's confronted. And in this psalm, he cries out to God in view of God's unfailing love for us and that God would have mercy on him. And he prays here that God would have mercy to cover three levels of David's sin his transgression, his iniquity, and his sin. Now, sin is what we often hear of missing the mark. We probably hear this quite a bit in church. It's a marksmanship metaphor. Now, this Christmas, I bought my boys a bow and arrow, a little bow and arrow, and I set up a target in our rec room, emphasis on rec the room, and, well, I didn't make the target big enough, and so they didn't always hit the target, and so sometimes they hit the wall beside the target, and so kind of like in archery, when we sin, when we miss the mark, we cause damage, all right? And so the goal is when we open God's word, and, and it, it contradicts how we're currently living in sin, we want to bring our aim back more and more into the center. So that's, that's sin, missing the mark. Now, uh, transgression or trespass is you know where the line is, you know what is right, you know what is wrong, and you are deliberately stepping over that line into the wrong. Now, the last one is iniquity, and this one goes even deeper. It goes beneath the, the surface. There's a twistedness and a misalignment of what is good in the depth of the human heart. And so like David, we need God to blot out our transgression, to wash our iniquity, and to cleanse us of our sin. And the amazing thing is, 
through the life, death, and resurrection, and through our faith and belief in him, God does this. And that is good news, and he transforms our life from the inside out, and it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Nice. All right, next one, swords up. Straight arms up in the air, very nice. Okay, our next one is Romans 5, verse 5. Go. Oh, we got oh. Susie. That's going to be, oh, I'm going on a hike. Susie. Oh, good, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Susie, nice and loud for us. Very nice. Thank you so much. Hope does not put us to shame. What does that mean? It means that hope, our hope, will not disappoint us. We as Christians, we don't have empty hope. And this verse tells us why. The reason that we are so confident of our future, of the hope of being united with our Father after life here on earth, having been forgiven of our sins, is because we have evidence. That's what this verse is saying. The love that God pours out into us is the mark of Christianity. It's the mark of God moving in us, of the Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of us at the moment of belief. And it's the Holy Spirit who constantly encourages us in our walk of faith, in our walk with God. He's the one keeping the hope alive. And I love the imagery of this verse, the pouring. I love that. Because why do you fill up a pitcher? Why do you pour into a pitcher? It's because you want to pour it out Again, you fill up one vessel so that you can receive it and fill up another. This is the same with the love of God. It's a continual process. The Lord continually pours his love into us. We receive it for ourselves, and then we pour that same love out onto others. And it's the love that's felt throughout that whole process, starting with the inpouring of the Holy Spirit, that is our evidence of what is to come. Very good. All right. Swords up. We're getting there. There's lots of enthusiasm in that corner over there. I love it. Uh, John 13, verse 34 is the next one. John 13, verse 34. Oh, Oh, wow. That was Amy in the back, I believe. That was fast. (laughs) That was so quick. All right. Oh, I got to go up again. Like she was ready for that one. Thanks. All right, fantastic. See, I love verses like this because it's like, this is what you do. It's just real straightforward. It's very clear, and I appreciate that. And I love this, love one another, and Jesus says, as I have loved you. And so the kind of love that Jesus is talking about, I think all four of the loves we talked about earlier are encapsulated in that, but even more, this is a sacrificial type of love. So this amazing sacrificial love of Jesus is the love that we must love one another with. And then verse 35, Jesus goes on to say, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this kind of sacrificial love will speak volumes to the world around us. And so let's press into that and step into that in the new year. All right. Uh, I know Megan's on a hike somewhere, but I'll get the next one going. Uh, The next one is, so our sword's up. Don't want to forget that bit. All right. 1 John 4, verse 12. 1 John 4, verse 12. 
Oh, I did see Amy again, I think, but we're gonna go with Charlotta, because she was like, you stood up and she stood up, <laughs> and then, yes, I, that was close. Yeah, super loud. Beautiful, thank you. All right, I gotta catch my breath a little bit. <laughs> oh no. So, love this passage. So I'm actually gonna read the rest of it, and I've got a challenge for any kids, preteens, or youth in the audience. I will favor kids, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> this passage has a lot of the word love in it, or loved, or loves. I want you to count how many times does that word pop up, okay? Winner will get a prize. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love, love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Okay, how many times? I saw, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what happened to hands, people? I saw Astrid stand up first. Oh. Okay, both of you. How many times? 14, correct, well, very nice. Well, then you nice. should each get one. Well done. Awesome. So this whole passage is an expanded version of John 13, the verse that Brendan just spoke about. It's a commentary that expands on two things, why we need to love each other and what happens when we do. So why? When we love one another, we see God and God lives in us. God, loving one another is actually fulfilling our purpose. It's owning our identity as children of God, and it allows us to know God in a more intimate way. I love this commentary I read said this. It's kind of harsh, but it's true. To claim to know God while failing to love others is to make a false claim. It's impossible to know God intimately without loving others, for God is Love. Love is how the invisible God becomes visible. This is why we love one another. So what happens when we love one another? Well, when we love one another, God is seen in us. And so if God is seen in us, then when love is at the forefront of our relationships, of our families, of our interactions, our work, our ministry, people take notice. This is the draw of Christianity. What happens when well, we become what Jesus told us to do, become fishers of men. We point the way to him using our lives and our love as an example 
as we allow him to work through us. All right. We got one more. Are we ready for it? Nobody in the balcony, please. Swords up. (laughs) There's some contenders up there. There's no question. All right. The last one is Romans 12, verse 10. Romans 12, verse 10. I'm sorry, Megan. (laughs) She's going for it. (laughs) So speedy. Oh, sorry. It's already. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Very good. I will read it out again in just a moment. Can we get the next slide, please? I do have 9 to to 13 on there. And like the John 13 passage, I love this one. It's simple. It's straightforward. And you can ask, Lord, what does it look like to walk in step with you? This is a real clear and simple reminder of it. And if you need a passage for the year 2024, maybe this is one you you print out, put on your fridge, your frame, get kind of a cool, trendy photo you can put up on your wall. It's a great and solid foundation for any follower of Jesus to live by. Let me read it. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. It's a pretty good passage, is it not? One of my favorites. I think (laughs) one person wanted to clap. You can clap for God's word. We can do that here. I'm happy with that. Do you want me to take this one? I got, got it. it. <laughs> She's got it. She's got it. One final thought. I got it because I wanted to say this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. After all of this, as much fun as we've had, I hope that's not what you take away. <laughs> not just the memory of us running up and down stairs. But it's our hope that everyone here would go with a new 2024 resolution, just like Brendan was saying. We pray that love is the foundation of your year, of our year. We want this for you. We want this for our church. We want to be known as a people full of the love of our Heavenly Father. Let me pray for us. (laughs) Worship team, you can come on up. Let me pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you for the eternal love that you have. Um, We thank you for the love, Jesus, that you so clearly have showed through your son, through your life, death, and resurrection. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin that you offer, for the love that you pour into our hearts that we can pour it out. So Lord, I I pray that everyone here would take something away today um, of the different types of love we've talked about, of the different passages And Lord, we pray that we would be a people marked by love, that this church would be a church that loves well, that our families would love well, and that when we go into our schools and places of work and communities and extracurricular activities, that we would love big, even a little bit more this next year. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the love that you have lavished upon us. Help us to walk and live in step with that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.